listening to episode 19, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're continuing our conversation with Scott Rodin. Scott Rodin has a passion for helping Christian ministry leaders take a biblical approach to leadership development, strategic planning, board development, and raising kingdom resources. Over the past 30 years, he has worked with hundreds of organizations in the U.S., Canada, Middle East, Great Britain, China, India, the Philippines, and Australia. Dr. Rodin is president of the Steward's Journey and Kingdom Life Publishing. He also runs Rodin Consulting Incorporated. He's a senior fellow of the Association of Biblical Higher Education and is a past board chair of China Source. He holds Master of Theology and Doctor of Philosophy degrees in Systematic Theology from the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. He's also authored 14 books and blogs weekly at thestewardsjourney.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now, it means you are a leader. You might not hold a leadership title, you might not be in charge of people, but your desire to grow and walk with Christ each day means God will use you to lead others to Him. You have been called with a purpose to be a leader, even if you never hold a title or a position. But what kind of leader will you be? Will you let God's call to lead? hold you in bondage because you feel pressured to own the results? Or will you find freedom in simply stewarding the people and things with which he has entrusted you? You have that distinction between freedom and ownership. And really where we go awry with with stewardship, and I mean, it seems natural to think like, okay, well, if I've given you this money, we'll we'll just use that because it's the easy one. Um, and you've got to steward it, right? Well, I've got to invest it. I've got to be doing something with it all of the time. But that is almost, that, that's trying to take the ownership of that into our hands rather than recognizing that it's, it's ultimately God's. He's the one that has to put it to work and, and produce fruit. Nothing we can do actually produces anything. And there's, there's a great amount of freedom that, that comes along with that. So. Oh, it's total freedom. It's absolutely total freedom, because the antithesis of that is the definition of bondage. And it's believing that it's up to me. I've got to put this on my shoulders. I have to make, take care of this. I have to do this, that God has given me, given me this stuff, and now I've got to go take care of it and do it on my own, and I've got to do it my way, and I'm going to be accountable for it. And, you know, the, the misreading of the, ter- of the parable of the talents has given us some really bad theology. Um, and I, sometime we can maybe go down the road and talk a little bit about that. Um, but it's absolute freedom. It's absolute freedom. And again, if we say that apart from Christ, I can do nothing, then what am I out here doing this stuff for if it's apart from Christ? I better be knowing exactly what it means to do things in Christ, because that's what he, that's what he says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, all, on and on and on. Scripture just kind of keeps giving us this picture of saying, if you want to be uh, um, an effective leader in the kingdom of God, you had better have a deep, intimate relationship with him and understand that everything that you ever do that's going to bear the fruit of the kingdom is going to be because you are engrafted into the vine and you are daily living out what he is giving you and guiding you to do. And the minute we step into doing it my way, my kingdom, my pride, my identity, my achievements, all those kind of things, then the enemy's just got us going down that slippery slope. 
absolutely. You know, one of the scriptures that I love about this is John 6, 28 to 30, where the disciples finally kind of get frustrated and they say, well, well, what do we need to do to do? It's actually in there twice in the NIV. What do we need to do to do the work that God requires? And isn't that what we all ask? God, what do you want me to do? And they just, they just lay it out there. They're exasperated. What do we do to do the work God requires? And I love it because this is one of the few places in Scripture where Jesus doesn't answer a question with a question, right? He abs- just gives him an answer. He says, the work of God is this. And I can just see them all. they got their pen and pencil out. And they go, they're like, I would put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, what's number one? Here it is. <laughs> this is the work that God wants you to do. Are you ready? Believe the one he sent. And they kind of go, okay, got it. What's number two? <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's really shocking that Jesus would say, in answer to a two-kingdom doing question, he gives him a one-kingdom answer and said, believe. It's the Mary and Martha story, isn't it? You know, Martha, Martha, you know, you, you're trying to do so many things, and Mary is only seeking after one thing, the one most important thing, and she's got it. And that's to sit at my feet and listen and soak it in. So I, I, that's a big challenge for us as leaders. But anyway, that's some of the things on our It heart. is, and, and it's so easy to become blindsided or, or blind to our own uh, uh, tendencies. Like, honestly, I would have never pegged myself as a Martha until about, I don't know, a couple months ago when Josh, we were having a conversation and Josh <laughs> just goes, Chris, you're a total Martha. <laughs> and I go, no, no, what are you talking about? No, I'm a Mary. Like, I'm introverted. I love to just be alone. You know, I, sp- I spend my 30 minutes to an hour every morning in prayer. What are you talking about? Of course I'm not a Martha. And he goes, he, 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 he just parroted back to me the sentence that I had said before. And I was just like, oh, you're right. It, it, and it, it's really hard to accept that that's, that's who we are. I mean, maybe we need a whole... Uh, we need a whole support group for uh, recovering Martha's or something. Because, I mean, I know yeah. you talk about it in the book. You're geared towards this way naturally totally. as well. Totally. So this has been a process yeah. for you to, to learn and come through. As- oh. And still is. And still is. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to just point out to your listeners is that the, you, can, you, can take, you can take this the wrong way and go too far with it in the wrong direction to say, so then all we're supposed to do is just sit around and you know, listen to God and do nothing. Um, and here's the here's the the point is that in my experience um, over the last 30 or 40 years of, of working with leaders, um, the most effective leaders that have got the most done for the kingdom of God are the ones who take this being the most seriously. In fact, you know, the, the Bible says, you know, the eyes of God are searching to and fro the earth to find someone whose heart is inclined toward him. And I just think today he's looking around for leaders going. Anybody down there want to follow me? Anybody down there want to totally surrender and just let me guide you? Um, and we don't look back to the eyes that are looking down at us because our eyes are on our, our balance sheet and our fundraising plan and our strategic plan and our to-do list for the week. So this is not an anti-work or an anti-growth or an anti-doing. Um, it gives us the opportunity, though, and this is what I really hope people get. It gets us, gives us the opportunity to invest ourselves fully and completely with excellence in the work God calls us to do out of a heart of freedom and joy. And that's what it's about. You can give me two guys, watch them during the day, or two people, watch them during the day, and they may both work about as hard as the other one. 
And one of them is driven by doing and measurements and identity problems and two kingdom thinking. And the other one is driven by a sense of just being a joyful, faithful steward. It might look the same a little bit in terms of what they accomplish, but the heart is different. And the Holy Spirit is working through one of them to accomplish the things of God. That's what I pray for every church leader that's listening to this, that they may look around them and say, none of this is mine, this is all God's. And if I will just commune with him and be with him and let him guide me, I can be wonderfully effective for the work of the kingdom of God. But the fruit is going to be not my kingdom, but it's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the spirit is what's going to come through because I am engrafted in the vine. And that's where we got to start. Amen. Amen. So does this mean that all of us who work to become stewards or that that is this disposition, do they naturally become steward leaders or is that something that's different? Well, any, you know, the, the, the definition of a steward leader is just simply a faithful steward who's called to lead. So the question is, when you get called into a role of leadership, are you coming into this as an owner or as a steward? And you know, Chris, from the book, we spent a lot of time contrasting owner-leader characteristics with steward-leader characteristics. Um, And when we look around us and we see the the, um, epidemic of fallen Christian leaders in our country, and it's just, I mean, it's just, it's tragic. And it happens every day. I mean, almost every day you look at it and there's somebody else that, that they're pointing to. I believe so much of that comes back to really good, honest, sincere followers of Jesus. When they get into leadership positions, the desire to be an owner and to control um, takes over. And sometimes it's forced on them because of, I'd say, a bit of board or, uh, or some others around them that expect them to, to do and produce and don't really care about the depth and level of their spiritual maturity in the process. Um, but, but that is the epidemic we're trying to come against, is this idea of being an owner leader. So I will say that when you step into leadership, and if you're in leadership right now, you make a choice every morning. And oh my gosh, I hope, I hope people hear, <laughs> hear this. Every single morning when we wake up, we make a choice. We don't do it consciously, but we absolutely make a fundamental choice <clears throat> in how we're going to live the day. And we make the choice between whether we're gonna enter this day as an owner or as a steward. We make it in our personal life, we pick up our briefcase or whatever, and we take it right into the office with us. We take it into our ministry, we take it into our pulpits, we take it into our churches. And if we live life as an owner, we're going to lead as an owner, and it's gonna bear the fruit of that owner leader, which is not pretty, (laughs) it's just not pretty. Um, So yeah, I think um, it doesn't automatically make you a leader, but if you are going to be used by God, I, one of the great things of Scripture that I love is that he used people that nobody would choose as leaders. I mean, none of, these, none of these men or women that were leaders in Scripture were so because of some incredible innate ability to lead. He goes out of his way to find people that nobody else would choose. Um, and, he, and the reason that they're, that they're dynamic, incredible leaders is tied to their level of surrender. And sometimes he has to break him down, right? Sometimes he has to get Joseph so broken down in prison and so far down the road to finally ready to step into leadership. And he does that with Moses, and he does that with Paul, and he does that with all kinds of people, um, and he does that with us. And so um, it, it's that desire for faithfulness to be a one kingdom person that I think turns a steward into a steward leader. 
uh, I think God can use anybody and everybody if they're willing to surrender to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you sort of cut through all of the, di- and you break it all down, the different leadership styles out there. But really what we get at is we're deconstructing this idea of whether or not leaders are born or whether they're, they're made. And you're sort of saying like, no, 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 like, I, of course they're made because of what God is doing in them. But he's, he, you know, you say it, uh, they're anointed before they're appointed. And so it's, it's right. not on any of the basis of their resume or what they've done, but it's, it's because of the presence of God in their life that has anointed them for this and then led them on this journey in order to prepare them for the leadership that they'll eventually take. And then it just, it becomes a natural outflow of their hearts and, and of, of who they are. Right. I think David is right. obviously the best example of this we find in Scripture, other than Jesus, is the best example because even when he messes up, his heart is one that is repented and, and contrite before God. And so um, it's mm-hmm. genuine. There's a genuineness yeah. there. No, there's no doubt. There's no doubt whatsoever. No, it's, a, it's a good word. I want to challenge you to think of your life in terms of leadership today. If you're listening to this, you're probably interested in growing and developing as a disciple of Christ. Those who do these kinds of things naturally lead others in one way or another, even if they never have an official leadership role. They become the kind of people that others look to for help and guidance. As a leader, then, I want to challenge you to find one area of your life where things are great and are totally submitted to God's ownership. Then find one area where things are maybe struggling because you have been trying to run a second kingdom on the side. Take both of these areas to God today, then. Take them both so that you can lay down the second kingdom and then celebrate in the victory of his ownership. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Scott Rodin and his work, check out thestewardsjourney.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Scott talks about the focus of the steward leader. If you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Oh,